And it doesn't mean we're not going to have a blow off top. It just means that we got to wait around for it. Like, where is it? When's it coming? And the thing is, like, I'm done waiting. The strategy before was to just buy low and sell high like once every four years. Like that was kind of a pipe dream, I think. I think moving forward, we're going to have these kind of cycles within the cycle. Welcome to the BitLift Podcast, where we don't just stack crypto, we snowball it. I'm Gerbs, founder of BitLift, and I've been using crypto every day since 2013. And for the past year, I've been going deep down the DeFi yield farming rabbit hole. Today, I'm breaking down my 2022 crypto strategy and how you can leverage the value already locked up in your crypto wallet to generate income and buy even more crypto. You can find links to everything I discussed here today and show notes at bitlift.com slash podcast. The hosts and guests of the BitLift podcast are not registered financial advisors. The thoughts and strategies discussed are simply personal opinions and should not be treated as financial advice or recommendation to make a particular investment. This show is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Coming into 2021, I had a goal. I wanted to use my crypto to generate income, the income that I live on. You see, for the last few years, I had a big stack of crypto, but I didn't have any money. If I wanted some money, I needed to sell my crypto, which meant paying big capital gains, and it meant missing out on the upside of the cycle that I was looking forward to. In the entrepreneurial world, or in like the lifestyle business community, we have this concept of cash piles versus cash flows. And I had a big cash pile just kind of collecting dust. Like imagine if you had millions of dollars in the bank, but no income, and you were watching the dollars slowly deplete. It creates panic. You need income. You need to be growing, always be growing. In crypto, a cash pile is like a bag or your stack. And a cash flow is a farm. You've probably heard of yield farming. So I had that goal of generating income and I had a plan. I knew exactly how much Bitcoin and how much Ethereum I wanted to sell. The rest I was going to keep forever, but I knew how much I wanted to sell. So my plan was I was going to sell every 50K as Bitcoin started reaching these $50,000 chunks, like $50,000, $100,000, $150,000, all the way to $250,000, I was going to sell at every 50K chunk. And when we reached the 50K, I got excited and I was ready to sell my first chunk. I thought we were going to 100, so I hung on a little longer. But then we started to, we, we got to 60, right? And we started to reverse and I ended up selling my first chunk around, I averaged out at 53K. And, you know, 50K was sort of the highest we got. And I've been waiting. I was expecting this blow off top. I've been planning for it and talking about it for years. I've seen it twice before and I thought it would happen again. Patterns repeat. You know, I sold that Bitcoin and I took that money and I've been farming. I've been yield farming. I wanted to learn about yield farming. I wanted to start generating that income. And then we, you know, we made a second run at an all time high and we broke through even. We set a new all time high. But it was only like 10% higher, and we started to reverse again. It was so weird. Are we going to do that again? Are we going to keep doing this like this dip and this new all-time high and then dip? These, these new kind of short all-time highs? It's starting to look a lot like a super cycle. So if you don't know what a super cycle is, it's this idea that you know it takes so much money now to move the markets and that retail investors can't really create these blow off tops anymore and so instead we're going to kind of get these 
these booms and busts that look a lot smaller and tighter than the ones that we've had in the past. There's also this idea that NFTs and DeFi and all these things are starting to give us reasons to stay around, to stick around in crypto. We don't need to leave and have this massive boom and then disappear for a few years like we did before. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have a blow off top. It just means that, you know, we got to wait around for it. Like, where is it? When's it coming? And the thing is, like, I'm done waiting. Like, the, the strategy before was to just buy low and sell high, like, once every four years. Like, that was kind of a pipe dream, I think. I think moving forward, we're going to have these kind of cycles within the cycle. Something Tom and I discussed in, in the last episode of the recap of 2021. So, it, you know, it kind of comes as a surprise to some people that I haven't bought or sold any crypto since around May. You know, people think that because I talk about crypto so much that I also trade a lot, that I'm like an active trader. And that's not the case. I spend a lot of time researching and learning and tinkering and experimenting to figure out what's next. And this is what I've been spending a lot of my time in, in DeFi land doing and, and learning how to yield farm, how to generate that income. So I spent a lot of time this year really trying to understand about like how these new protocols like exchanges, they need to attract a lot of capital and liquidity. So they offer all these incentives to users. They issue their own tokens as rewards to early adopters and people who use their, their platforms. And this is what's driving a lot of the DeFi yield that we see. I learned why stablecoins are the highest demand asset in crypto, which is why they pay the highest yields. You know, we all learn from Michael Saylor. If we've ever listened to an interview with Michael Saylor, he talks about how billionaires borrow against their assets. They'd never sell assets. You can borrow against your assets a lot cheaper than it costs to pay taxes. We all know billionaires don't pay taxes. That's because they don't have any, they don't have a paycheck and they don't sell any of their assets. So there's just nothing built into the tax code. There's no reason for them to pay any taxes. They never trigger anything that causes a taxable event. I also learned and I finally understand the difference between debt and leverage. Debt is when you borrow more money than you have in assets. This is the scary one. This is the one that people spend most of their life trying to avoid or dig themselves out of if they're in college debt. Leverage is when you borrow against your assets to help grow your assets. You have the collateral to pay down the debt, but you don't want to sell them in order to do it. So you use leverage. So I've been using all of this new stuff that I've been learning and tinkering with to generate income and to farm these stable coins that I got from selling the Bitcoins earlier in this cycle. And, you know, I only sold my first chunk. We never got to 100K. Uh, I've had some Bitcoins sitting on the exchange, ready to rock, waiting for it to happen. And the time never came. What's crazy, though, is I already accomplished my goal of generating enough income to live on. That first chunk was really all I needed. In fact, I earned more money than I needed to spend. I was trying to figure out what to do with the extra income that I was generating from my stablecoin farm, and I had a light bulb moment. What if I use the extra money from farming to buy more crypto? And I know that sounds stupid, and it probably sounds obvious, especially for someone like me who all I do is buy crypto, but it's actually pretty awesome. What I've done is I created a new business for dollar cost averaging. When I look back at the business that I started in 2013, I did it specifically to acquire more crypto. I'd already bought the crypto that I could with the money that I had, so I wanted people to pay me in crypto. 
And what I sort of accidentally backed into is that receiving crypto as payments, trickling in thousands of transactions over many, many years, I was effectively dollar cost averaging into my crypto position without ever really having to buy. People were sort of buying on my behalf. And I had no control over the price of which I was acquiring my crypto in. That is the perfect way to dollar cost average. I couldn't even be the one trying to time anything. It was happening for me. So what I realized farming these stable coins is that I I effectively created a new way to dollar cost average. And I call it the snowball farming strategy. And it's really pretty simple. I think it'll work just as well for people who are just getting started in crypto as well as it works for people with big stacks and lots of assets. So to start, you start with your Bitcoin and ETH, your assets. Maybe you throw a little Luna in there, another asset. You borrow a safe amount of stable coins against these assets. Then you take those stable coins and you lend them out to generate interest, typically in the form of reward tokens. You swap those rewards for more assets and more stable coins. And now that you have more assets, You can borrow more stable coins, which means you can lend more, which means you earn more income, and you can buy more crypto. Notice that the lending, which I also talk about as farming all the time, is the growth engine of this strategy. It's the paycheck or the business that fuels the growth that's compounding. This growth is also streaming in constantly, just like as if you were dollar cost averaging, almost as if you were buying a little bit of Bitcoin every single day of your life. That's a snowball farm. So the math is a little tricky to describe over a podcast, but you can safely borrow up to 40% against your crypto. Now to get this number, I brought up a chart and I used sort of support and resistance lines and moving averages to find what I thought was a safe price, a price that I can't imagine either Bitcoin or ETH or Luna or any of the assets I'm borrowing against, a price I can't imagine them plunging below like overnight while I'm sleeping. And for Ethereum, that's around 1500 And for Bitcoin, that's around 20000 and what's funny is when I, when I calculate the ratio, the loan-to-value ratio, both of those came out to almost exactly 40%. So 40% just happens to be the number, the amount that you can safely borrow against your assets or the amount that I feel I can safely borrow against my assets. Some services like Nexo or Abracadabra or some of these other ones that we'll talk about, they allow you to borrow more, but just because they allow you doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. So for every $1,000 in assets that you have, you can safely borrow $400. So my favorite place to borrow is, we talked about Nexo, that's where I borrow against Bitcoin. Uh, But it costs 7%, even when you're in the the best tier in Nexo, it costs 7% to borrow against your Bitcoin. I love Abracadabra, it's the new kid on the block. It's a little degenerate, but it has some really cool things where you can borrow against interest-earning assets. And it costs 0% to borrow against your ETH that's in urine already. That sounds complicated, but it's not too hard. Also, you can borrow against Luna inside of Anchor and pay almost 0%. At one point, Anchor was paying you like 40% to borrow. It didn't cost money. They were paying you to borrow. That's how they incentivize borrowing. Right now, it costs like 1%. It kind of fluctuates somewhere around 0% to borrow against your Luna these days within Anchor. What's interesting about this, and it's a topic for another day, but this these 0% borrowing rates make me want more ETH and more Luna, not more Bitcoin, because Bitcoin, it still costs money and there's no good DeFi alternative for borrowing against my Bitcoin. Also important to note is that we're not going to use the stable coins we borrow to buy more crypto. 
This is how you totally get wrecked. If you borrow stablecoins and then turn around and buy Ethereum with it, what happens when it goes down? How are you going to pay back your loan if the Ethereum you bought is worth less than the amount that you owe back for your loan? This is why people get liquidated. This is how they get wrecked. The only thing we do with our stablecoins is we loan them out to earn a variable rate of interest. In most cases right now, we can earn around 20%. Even if it went down to 0%, it doesn't mean we would lose anything. We would just lose like the income that we could be generating. So we never want to buy assets that could go down with the money that we're borrowing. We only want to lend them out to generate income. So going back to the $400 that we borrowed, we can take that $400 and we can earn 20% lending it in DeFi right now. My two favorite places to lend out the stablecoins that I borrow to earn interest are Curve and Anchor. So on Ethereum, there's this exchange called Curve, and you can be an LP on Curve, which means you can loan your stablecoins to the exchange. The exchange uses them for other people to swap coins, and you can harvest the rewards, and I use an app called Convex to harvest the rewards. I know that is word soup and sounds crazy complicated, but it's not. Just check out episode 10 where I talked to my buddy Crypto Idealist. We broke down the whole thing, how Curve works, how Convex works, and how to get started using it. The second place I like to earn interest on my stable coins is within Anchor. Anchor is, a, is an app that runs on the Terra blockchain, and it pays 19.5% in stable interest. It's unbelievable. A lot of people in the Discord use it. BitLift wrote like the top guide in Google for how to use Anchor. If you just go to Google and search Anchor Earn Guide, you'll see the BitLift guide right there at the top. So earning 20% interest on the $400 that you borrowed equates to an 8% APR on your crypto. So if you had $1,000 in Bitcoin, you can earn $80 against it by farming. That's a lot, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but it also doesn't take into account the fact that you still have your Bitcoin. Your Bitcoin is still appreciating. So... As it appreciates, you can borrow more to farm more. So 8% may not sound like a lot, but it really is. This is another $80 for every $1,000 that you already have in assets that you're essentially earning for free. This is money coming to you that you would have otherwise just been leaving there. It's like not picking up the $80 bill on the floor. Like That's what you're doing right now by allowing your crypto to sit there and collect dust. And the thing that it doesn't account for is that you also still hold your crypto. You still have your Bitcoin. You still have your ETH. You still have your Luna. These assets are still super liquid in your wallets and in these smart contracts and in these places you're borrowing from. You can still sell them. They're still appreciating. Bitcoin is still going to a million dollars. You can hold through all of that. And as that continues to happen, you can borrow more against it and put that back into your snowball farm to earn more interest. That 8% will be stable, but the amount of assets in your stable farm will continue to grow, which means the amount of income and money that you're generating continues to grow. So for me, I like to do three things with the interest from my snowball farm. The first thing that I do is I pay myself. This is my income that I use to live my life. It stays as stable coins in my snowball farm, and I withdraw what I need quarterly. I listed this first for a reason. Uh, there's this book I read when I was a kid called The Richest Man in Babylon, and there's a quote in there that says, a part of all you earn is yours to keep. It should be not less than a tenth, no matter how little you earn. It can be much more as you can afford it. 
I love that quote and I love this idea of paying yourself first. There's so many things we can do with our money, but first, pay yourself. So right now today in my snowball farm, the first third comes and hangs out within Anchor Earn since the interest there grows as stable coins and since what I'm going to eventually need to withdraw to my bank account if I want to spend anything is stable coins. So I kind of use that as my, my source of income right now. The next 33% of the income I generate from my snowball farm, I keep in the reward tokens that I'm paid in. So this mostly comes in the form of curve and convex tokens. Um, this is where I sort of speculate a bit. I believe there's no better place to speculate than in the products you use and the things that you get the most value from. For me this year, that's been Curve and Convex. I use them as a cornerstone of my farm and I've really grown to appreciate the value that they bring. And as a side note, there's some really cool apps coming out for borrowing against your staked Curve and Convex, which again, will further amplify your snowball farm down the line. The third thing I do with the income I generate from my farm is I buy more crypto. This is what we've been talking about the whole time. This is the dollar cost averaging chunk. This is the part where we grow our assets and build our net worth over time. This is where I'm buying more Bitcoin, buying more ETH, buying more Luna. This is the dollar cost averaging part. Some people might have different proportions of all of these things that I just laid out. Some people might not want to generate income off of their crypto for paying their bills. Maybe they have a job and they're already doing that. So maybe instead they're going to use it just to buy more Ethereum and more Bitcoin. That's cool. I know some people that are really into Curve and all they want to do is accumulate as much CRV and CVX tokens as they can. That's cool too. Some people are going to think about it that way. But your goals and your risk reward profile are going to be very different from mine. But that's just kind of my profile and what I do with it. But I urge you in 2022 to stop thinking about your stack of crypto as just a pile of coins that sits there. You have to put your crypto to work. Build yourself a growth engine out of your crypto. An engine that allows you to earn income, dollar cost average into more crypto, and buy even more of the blue chip assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum that you've grown to love. sure to hit up bitlift.com slash podcast for links to everything we discussed here today. And if you got any questions or comments, come find me on crypto Twitter and say what up. That's twitter.com slash bitlift, B-I-T-L-I-F-T. And if you're deep down the crypto rabbit hole, come hang out with myself and a few hundred crypto geeks in the BitLift Discord at bitlift.com slash discord to connect. The hosts and guests of the BitLift podcast are not registered financial advisors. The thoughts and strategies discussed are simply personal opinions and should not be treated as financial advice or recommendation to make a particular investment. This show is for informational and entertainment purposes only. 